Your favorite afternoon live and local radio show right here in beautiful Las Vegas, Nevada. Sam Rajovsky here. You're listening to the What's Right Show. News Talk 840 KXNT. Friends, big day from the Supreme Court. We have a decision that is rocking the nation, and it's regarding gun rights. Now, I'll tell you everything about this because I think there's some misconceptions about what this law actually, in effect, will do and what it won't do. So I'll unpackage that for you. There are a couple other decisions of note. I think maybe one having to do with Mirandai's statements. Apparently when a police officer uh, fails to Mirandize a statement, uh, 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 an RSD, somebody who he uh, is under arrest and is, uh, begins questioning him and he suspect gives statements without being Mirandized, being apprised of his rights, Later, apparently, the suspect cannot sue the officer for violating his Fifth Amendment. That was a decision today from the Supreme Court, although it still means, of course, that the statements he gives to the police cannot be uh, entered into, into, into court, into any kind of legal proceedings against him. So, but the big, big case here is Bruin, and this was a case having to do with uh, the rule in New York the laws in New York for about a hundred years, the state of New York required cause, required a reason for you to apply and be granted a license to carry a concealed weapon. Now I can tell you anecdotally that this created an enormous discrepancy in the state of New York as to who got a permit. Typically, I'll tell you this, wealthy, politically connected people could get permits while regular Joe Schmo Americans, New Yorkers, could not. Now, the proper cause requirement, you know, had to do with imminency of threat to the individual. So in order to present your case for a permit, you essentially had to do something along the lines of, one, say that you were a, a you know, victim of, of ongoing stalking, you had somebody following you. Maybe you had a restraining order against someone who was potentially violent. You'd maybe have to prove that you worked for a uh, you, you worked for a small company, or you were a small business owner, and you handled a lot of cash. Maybe you would take your receipts at the end of the day home with you, or you would take it to the bank and do bank runs. So th- these are the uh, types of things you would have to put in the application. When I lived in Orange County. California, before I left, the, the rule changed, but before then you had to do basically the same thing. And so no one had permits except for, except for again, people who were connected, dialed in, who had political favors out there owed to them and would cash those in. Years ago in New York City, uh, I'll just say this because it's the funny aside, it, you know, Donald Trump had a permit to carry a gun. And it was the subject of a, a number of interesting stories even before he ran for president and i remember a lot of people at the time said see this is is not fair he has the permit not because people are out to get him but because he's donald trump and he's connected and he's rich so what the supreme court did today is they said you cannot have this kind of proper cause requirement 
you have to be a shall issue state for gun permits. The court ruled that ordinary citizens with ordinary self-defense needs have the right to keep and bear arms in public. Now, the decision itself was written, it was written by Justice, uh, oh, wait, let's see here, it was, uh, yeah, so, it, it, yeah, um, it, right, it, it was, the, the thing that's interesting here about it is that the two decisions that backed this up, but dissented in part, were by Alito and Roberts. And Clarence Thomas wrote the opinion of the court, uh, but there's so, so essentially when you take together the main opinion of the court and then the other opinions that are written by the others that form the majority in the decision, what it does is it takes away, I mean, some of the, it, it basically reduces the rule down to saying, look, states can put in reasonable objective restrictions. So a lot of what you're hearing today about guns now being everywhere and everybody and anybody can carry a gun. That's not what was decided here. What was ultimately decided and what will be the law of the land from this day forward is that states can put in reasonable restrictions. They can say, for example, certain types of weapons can't be carried in public. States can say, we don't want open carry. We have open carry here in Nevada, for example, but we don't have it in California. And, and states could continue to say no open carry. They can put uh, time and place restrictions. For example, uh, what is cited in the, in the Supreme Court decision, even by Clarence Thomas is, look, historically we've, we've prohibited guns from being in certain government buildings and in certain courts. And presumably such a restriction would not be unreasonable, but there has to be an objective standard and, and, and when they say ordinary citizen with ordinary self-defense needs, there's no special case that needs to now be made for someone who's applying for a permit. Now, for a majority of states, at least, I think, 45 in all, this, is an, this doesn't change anything. This is a non-issue. For example, here in Nevada, it is a non-issue because we already essentially abide by this particular rule. We have a shall issue state. If you want to apply for a permit, you have to run through a background check, which again, the Supreme Court did not dispose of. You need to go to a course, a class, where you prove that you have the ability and competence to handle a weapon. And finally, of course, part of the background check, of course, you know, any kind of criminal past and all of that uh, is looked at. And, um, and, then you, and then you file all your paperwork and you get approved and you carry a card. And there's other restrictions. For example, you, you can't you know, be too intoxicated. And in some states, they require a 0.00. In Nevada, there's some uh, variance. But, but, but the point is those are reasonable, objective uh, restrictions that are placed on carrying a gun in public. And, and none, of, none of that is, is in, in contradiction with what the Supreme Court decided today. So with that said, the reactions, the reactions are fabulous. They're incredible. They are comedic. And we'll get to some of them here in, in a moment. I am very perplexed, right, by the, the, the general trend of what lawmakers are saying. Well, we have to go to the drawing board 
and bring our legislators back out of summer session. We got to get them in here for a, a real workshop on figuring out how we can get around this. And if you hear that today and tomorrow and through the weekend in the news, I, I have to caution you, that is total nonsense. There's really not much that a state needs to do except for revise their rules so they are in conformity with the Supreme Court's decision. So what will happen here in New York City, for example, if you go to apply for a gun and there's that form you fill out and then there's a section where you have to say special need, well, guess what you can do? You can take your pen and just cross it out because you don't have to fill it in. And if they deny you your application or ask you to fill out your special need, now they're in violation of the Constitution. Can you sue them? No, but you can sue them. Well, you can't sue them for damages necessarily, but you can sue for injunctive relief to compel them to grant you due process in getting your permit. And so that is what these folks are going to have to do, and this is what they're going to have to do very quickly. New York governor, her name's Kathy Hochul. She is, <laughs> she's, she had something great to say. You got to listen to this. Uh, this is fantastic. And I'm sorry this dark day has come. They were supposed to go back to what was in place since 1788 when the Constitution of the United States of America was ratified. And I would like to point out to the Supreme Court justices that the only weapons at the time were muskets. I'm prepared to go back to muskets. I don't think they envision the high-capacity assault weapon magazines intended for battlefields as being covered from this, but I guess we're just going to have to disagree. Okay. Muskets. If the Supreme Court is making this decision, which they did in large part based on historic precedent of gun regulation in the United States, then she says, fine, bring the muskets. If you're going back to the 18th century, let's talk about the weaponry that this applied to back at the time when the Second Amendment was written. And you've heard this argument, right? Now, first off, I'm going to say we're talking about here. What we're talking about fundamentally is concealed carry. I've seen a musket. Have you seen a musket? Now tell me where on a summer's day you're going to hide that musket on your body. So we're all going to be wearing trench coats here in Las Vegas as it's 115 degrees in the shade. Muskets. Second thing about muskets. The beauty of the Constitution is that it applies to things and situations today as much as it did 200 years ago. There was the governor of New York speaking to live television cameras, using a teleprompter, having a microphone, every word of her transmitted via Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Reporters texting each other about what she said. She was doing what? Well, she was exercising, among other things, her First Amendment privileges, her First Amendment rights. Did the founders, did they say anything in the Constitution about First Amendment, but not on television? Oh, wait, no television back then, 200 years ago. So 
if the if the Constitution is silent as to television or silent as to Twitter or silent as to the Internet or telephones or the telegraph or whatever means of communication we've had in the years since the Constitution was drafted, does that mean that the First Amendment does not apply to anything other than movable type newspapers and books printed by hand and presses? Of course not. This is the most insane, illogical argument, and you hear it time and time again. Well, this doesn't account for the weaponry and da 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 There's also another part of this is that, <laughs> it's just, is that Democrats don't understand guns. I mean, Nevada Democrats do. Okay, we have, we have a lot of Democrats here who would basically be Republicans anywhere else. So they... <laughs> But these, this New Yorker, this Kathy chick, she doesn't even know what it, what do I mean by, okay. I don't think they envision, speaking of the founders and the drafters of the Constitution, I don't think they envision the high-capacity assault weapon magazines intended for battlefields as being covered with it. Okay, I hate the term assault weapon. That is a... It is, a, it is a conjured word. It is a fake word designed to spread fear about certain types of rifles. But again, Kathy, we're talking about concealed carry laws. Nothing in this decision has, has anything to do with open carry. It says there's restrictions on how to carry, and it is essentially a concealed carry law. So... So you're going to conceal, who conceal carries an AR-15 or an AK-47? Those of you listening who have a permit and lawfully carry here in the state of Nevada or elsewhere, you're chuckling, right? You're laughing about this. You're going, what the literal heck is this woman talking about? Because it's actually difficult to con conceal even some handguns. I'm a skinny guy. I mean, there's not that many places I can, I can put on a hot day, you know, if I'm not wearing a jacket. It, it, concealing a weapon is tricky business, and there's a whole science to it. So, again, she doesn't know what she's talking about. Now, the, the, the part of this that I have to get to here in a second when we come back is the other grouping of, of responses to this, or the other next family, or however you want to say it, the next batch of responses all have to do with the notion that we're less safe because of this decision. And I would argue, friends, as I think many of you will agree, that the exact opposite is true. Let me pick up there when we come back. You're listening to What's Right Show. Sam Rajofsky here. Don't go anywhere. Accountability after an accident means more than just a settlement check. It means getting you back to 100%. We hold the insurance company accountable for what they owe you. Call Sam and Ash at 702-820-1234 or visit SamAndAshLaw.com. Your common sense conservative, Sam Rajovsky here on News Talk 840 KXNT. Rarely wrong, always right, and always happy to be here with you, friends. All right, so this new law, this new decision out of the uh, Supreme Court this morning dropped, uh, deciding that arbitrary restrictions 
to issuing concealed carry permits is unconstitutional. I mentioned earlier about the exact scope of this decision, how it's being, in many ways, radically uh, misportrayed in the media, and certainly by politicians who are furious about it. Because in the primary decision uh, of the court, uh, written by Justice uh, Thomas, Clarence Thomas, there were uh, concurring opinions by Alito and Brett Kavanaugh, uh, joined also by Chief Justice John Roberts. And what happens is ultimately then, you know, if one person says A and another person says, yes, A, but also B, and everybody votes and you get a majority on it, then the A and also B, those end up being the controlling opinions. So here's what's really important. It's actually in the concurring opinions where the law is decided. Alito stresses that the decision decides nothing about who may lawfully possess a firearm or the requirements that must be met to buy a gun. Nor does it decide anything about the kind of weapons that people may possess. And I'm gonna say again, possess in public, right? Carry upon themselves when they're out and about, not in the home. Now, John Roberts and Kavanaugh talked about the 43 states that use licensing schemes. Because there are some states where you can just carry concealed without going through any background check, but there are states that, that require background checks, firearms training, mental health records checks, fingerprinting. We do all of that here in Nevada. And Kavanaugh explained that those schemes are objective instead of granting something that he calls open-ended discretion to licensing officials. And that's exactly what was going on in New York. And I mentioned how basically in New York City, you had to prove that there was a, a, a proper cause for you to carry a gun. And that now has been determined to be unconstitutional, proper cause. That's, you know, that's squishy language, right? And they would give examples of what proper cause is. You know, I have a dangerous stalker who's threatened to kill me. But then you'd have to go and prove it and who they said yes to and who they said no to. A lot of that depended, frankly, on how politically connected that person was. So with all of this said, the reactions to it are great, are fabulous, and are absolutely stupid. The one that I loved the most, besides the governor of New York, herself, Kathy Hochul. I liked uh, Eric Adams, who's the mayor of New York City. And here's what he had to say. This decision is so impactful. When I spoke with my chief counsel, based on his preliminary analysis, I said, give it to me on a scale of one to 10. It's very close to a 10 of a major concern that we have. While we're still analyzing the decision, we can say with certainty, uh, this decision has made every single one of us less safe from gun violence. Well, I'm pleased here that uh, Mayor Adams, who's been partying nonstop since becoming his honor, the mayor of New York City, has taken a break from his party lifestyle to come and have a meaningful uh, press conference about gun violence, which is running rampant in New York City. You are more likely now than at any previous time in over 15 years to die in a random act of gun violence in New York City. And so with all this going on, I, I, I will say this. This decision that came down from the Supreme Court today 
is bad news for criminals. It's not good news. This is exactly the opposite of what he says. This decision has made every single one of us less safe from gun violence. No, this decision allows honest, law-abiding citizens to arm themselves and is, puts every bad guy on notice that we will not put up with it. And you know what? It's a lot harder to find a victim out there when you have to wonder in the back of your head, hey, is that lady over there, is that guy over there, are they carrying a weapon and are they going to fight back when I try to make a victim of them? And that is what this is all about. Don't go anywhere. What's Right Show with Sam Rajovsky back after this. Sam and Ash here with a What's Right PSA. If you've been hurt and a lawyer reaches out to you first, run the other way. It's unethical and honest lawyers don't do it. Don't let your lawyer choose you. If a tow truck driver, mechanic, or anyone at the ER tells you which injury lawyer to hire, chances are that person has a shady deal with the lawyer. Don't risk your future with a crooked lawyer. Choose the law firm you know you can trust. Call us 702-820-1234 or visit SamAndAshLaw.com. It's Sam Rajovsky. You're listening to the What's Right Show here in the beautiful Sam and Ash headquarters right here in lovely Las Vegas, Nevada. Your sanity lifeline in these challenging times. By the way, there's a podcast. You might know about this. We do put the show up for your listening pleasure, usually a couple hours after airtime. You can find us on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts under What's Right Show. Tell a friend. We're here every day, Monday through Friday. And I enjoy the hour that we have together very much. Now, listen, I'm looking at this, uh, looking at this uh, ruling from the Supreme Court, and clearly one of the takeaways uh, when it comes to the Second Amendment is that this court is has a very literal and a precise sense for what words mean in the Constitution. This is a shock, of course, to the left because they like to revisit and change the meaning of words to fit whatever agenda they may have in the moment. So for anyone, by the way, out there thinking, all right, so I, you're going to engage in a conversation with someone about this topic, and they're going to come at you and they say, well, nowhere in the Constitution does it say that you have the right to carry a weapon you know, outside of your house. Well, what do you think literally the words, the right to, what is it? bear weapons you you have the right to bear guns and to me that the the word there means something what good is a gun for you in the home when when you're the risk is outside of the house does it say just you know protect your homestead protect your land just protect your livestock right to keep and bear weapons, right to keep and wear bear guns. It means something. Those words matter. So, I mean, it's just funny to engage with people and wonder, what, what, does this, what does this mean? What did the Constitution mean? What did it intend? And the basis for this decision in large part goes back through the history of regulating the carrying of guns throughout the history of the United States. And the fact of the matter is, and... Justice Thomas does a great job of this going through it. It's, it's, there, there's not a lot of examples where 
historically, but for New York and certainly later uh, in the last 15, call it 15, 20 years, you know, many blue states have gone out to to heavily regulate guns, make it difficult for people, law-abiding citizens to carry guns. But at the same time, right, the, the irony is that they're not serious about gun control. None of these people are serious about gun control. Take, for example, the district attorney in Los Angeles, Gascon. Gascon now is in the news. He's in the hot seat because just this past week, Three people have been murdered by felons who have have weapons possession charges against them and got a slap on the wrist and were released. Only to go out, get a new weapon, and kill. See, to me, you lose all credibility on this issue if you're not willing to put gun-toting criminals in jail and throw away the key i mean to me these are felonies that disqualify you from civil society really what i take away from this if democrats are very serious on one hand about being compassionate with the bad guys who carry guns and understanding that of course they've come from bad backgrounds and difficult challenging environments and that they deserve the full benefits of restorative justice Compassion, mm, forgiveness, but then at the same time, really want, it to, want to make it next to impossible for us, the good guys, to carry a gun legally and protect ourselves on the same streets where they continue by the hundreds and thousands releasing dangerous criminals into our society. How do you comport? How do you reconcile these two beliefs. You have to be mentally ill to think that this, you can do A but not B or do B and not A. So when people say about the Supreme Court decision, well, it is so out of touch with our times. I, of course, first of all say it's, the, the role of the Supreme Court is not to, quote, unquote, be in touch with the time. The role of the Supreme Court is to make constitutionally sound decisions that have that pay no attention to the current zeitgeist. Right. We want a Supreme Court that rises above whatever the mood of the hour is in the country. But my other response to it is, is, but wait. I would say the national mood of the country right now is extremely concerned for our communities where we continue to have crime on the rise, where violent criminals are, are basically caught and released, oftentimes same day. I've spoken many times about my friends in law enforcement, both here in Las Vegas, in Los Angeles, Beverly Hills, Orange County. They're all frustrated by this. They catch someone red-handed with a gun and then they see the guy on the street 24 hours later. The judge lets them go, slap on the wrist, no cash, no cash bail, and on their way they go. Rinse and repeat, rinse and repeat until they end someone's life. And remember, 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 some of these home invasion robberies that have been going on in Los Angeles, they're targeting high-level people, oftentimes the same people that contributed financially 
to the campaigns of these lunatic leftists that continue to release dangerous criminals. So I look at this, friends, I, I look at this as such a, a moral, fundamental issue, above and beyond just its constitutional merits. If you want to go easy on criminals, fine. Don't be, by the way, don't be disingenuous about it. Tell us, all right, we're going to go on easy on criminals. I think I believe in restorative justice, blah, blah, blah. Okay. But then hell's bells, let us protect ourselves. It seems only fair. Now on Tuesday, speaking of gun control, on Tuesday, the Senate voted I'm breaking almost 30 years of stalemate on gun control legislation, 64 to 34 to advance an 80-page gun safety bill. The bill, by the way, <laughs> was, was released to the senators one hour before the vote. <laughs> it's like Obamacare. Here you go. Here's a million pages. Go! <laughs> You tell how many? Oh, it was it was hundreds of pages. So let me ask you something. How many? How many of these senators sat down in an hour and wrote and and read a few hundred pages? Absolutely zero. None of them. And maybe the 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 guys that wrote the bill knew what was in it. Fourteen GOP senators voted to advance the bill. I mean, an interesting name among them is John Cornyn, who's a senator from Texas, Republican from Texas. Of course, Mitch McConnell did. Susan Collins, Lindsey Graham, Mitt Romney, and others. Now, what is the, what's in the bill, right? So I've taken a look at it now, finally going, okay, so there's enhanced background checks on buyers 18 to 21. Okay, so we're going we're gonna to actually run background checks now on 18-year-olds to 21. And again... Does this prevent what happened in Uvalde? Does this prevent what happened in Buffalo? I'm going to kind of do a little shoulder shrug because no, but it makes us feel better. It also gives hundreds of millions for school safety and mental health. Yay for school safety. I'm okay with that. I think that's a good move here. Mental health. Yeah, you can spend money on mental health. I, I, I don't disagree that it can move the needle a little bit. But we have to get back to family values in this country. We've got to get back to allowing families to be families, allowing parents to be parents. Uh, maybe perhaps we look at the things that are causing the mental health crisis and not trying to fix it after it happens. So does throwing money at mental health fix mental health? It can help, but it's not a dispositive fix. Now, the final thing on here is it's, uh, there's an incentive for states to enact red flag laws. What, what is this called? What do they mean by incentive? Well, they'll give federal grant money to any state that puts in red flag laws Basically, red flags allow laws allow the police to come and confiscate guns temporarily from dangerous people. And this is where my antenna go up because, of course, it sounds great because, you know, like when you have a mass shooting, you look at the person, you go, yeah, that's a troubled guy. That's somebody that the police should visit and take their guns away. It makes, you know, makes sense. But I also, at the same time, am looking at this comedy hour going on in Washington where they are making 
major criminals out of a bunch of goobers that stormed the Capitol. And I look at this and I go, well, let's see, dangerous person, that's a, that's a, how do you define that term? What's a dangerous person? And if that term is defined by politicians, well, can politicians define those of us that they see as being, I don't know, less favorable to them than others? Again, as a lawyer, I think about these things and I have to look further down the, down the road. And I know exactly how when you give, when you make, write a law that is vague, purposely vague, it ultimately gives you know, a lot of opportunity for misuse. So these, this is what's going on right now in Washington. On one hand, you have the, even some stalwart members of the GOP, like John Cornyn, backing down and doing something and throwing money at, at a problem that may or may not really do anything to fix it, but potentially gives up, right, is it, this, this red flag incentive system could really be something that erodes gun rights down the road. But just as that is happening, the Supreme Court comes in and recenters again and goes back to the, the essence of the Second Amendment. And, and really does, I think, a phenomenal job in, in, in enforcing what ought to have been the law from the get-go. So we are going to take a short break here. I, I, I know, I, well, there's a local issue. Speaking of politicized investigations, maybe you heard that someone's phone got seized today by the FBI. I'll tell you what I think about this. This is reported by David Charns at Channel 8. Know David well. So I will discuss this when we come back. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to What's Right Show. Sam Rajovsky here. Hey, welcome back. Sam Rajovsky here. The What's Right Show at What's Right Show on Twitter and Instagram. My personal Instagram is at What's Right Sam. Where today I posted a picture of my son on the way to Bishop Gorman High School here in Las Vegas, he is an incoming freshman. They've got this program, Becoming a Gale, Gale being their mascot. So doing this program, I think it's, by the way, it's a great idea before summer gets too deep, uh, get them, get the kids kind of ready for what, what high school is gonna be about. It's a big transition, all of a sudden a big school. So they do that, but today he had to dress up for his chapel, for his mass. Now we're not Catholic, but, um, I love the fact that this is a Catholic school, very pleased and proud of my son that he was able to get in. So he's in his, in his getup. He's got his dress shirt and his little blue sweater, V-neck sweater, and he just looks totally miserable. So I, I posted that on my Instagram. Have a look at that, at What's Right Sam. Okay, <laughs> before I get to this, uh, these shenanigans, Las Vegas shenanigans, it has to do with the FBI. So even if you're not from Las Vegas, it's a good story. Let me just tell you this. We, Macy, my producer, is able to find Joe Biden's remarks on the Supreme Court decision regarding concealed carry. <laughs> we haven't done a what the hell did Joe Biden say for a while. So let, let's just let's use this to catch up a bit. Listen closely. I am disappointed in the Supreme Court gun decision. Um, there is one little bit of solace in the, uh, the, uh, the minority making up the majority opinion. 
has laid out that it affects not every state, it affects only 40 states, a lot of states it affects. And the phrase that I, I found no, noticeable was, there's a difference between states that say may and, they, and say shall. The, if you have to say you shall give, you shall do A, B, C, they're the ones that are going to have problems. But most say may. I mean, may and, and I got it reversed, may and shall. This man has nuclear weapons. I don't even, he doesn't even know what he's talking about. This decision doesn't, may and shall, they're saying that it's, it's shall issue subject to objective standards, like passing a background check, which is fine, right? Or perhaps passing a mental health check, which means Biden probably couldn't apply for a gun under that standard. All right, but he can, he can have nuclear weapons. See how that's not fair? Biden can have nuclear weapons and, 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 and you know, someone with mental health problems can't even own a gun. All right, all right, all right. Here in Nevada, the FBI came in hot today, seizing Nevada's GOP chairman's phone as part of their investigation of a fake elector plot. Now, when you look at that headline, you go, oh, this is hot and heavy stuff. What's going on? <laughs> Mike. Oh, Mike. I love Mike. Mike, uh, Mike and I are not, I got to be careful about this, but uh, we live close to each other. And I, I rather like him. So putting that aside, let me look at this objectively. The FBI rolls in with the warrant, demand his phone. Uh, Mike presumably gave him the phone. And now they're analyzing his phone. What is this all about? They are going back to December 2020. The Nevada Republican Party sent six electors with signed paperwork signaling their support for President Donald Trump. And they had this silly, in my opinion, okay, symbolic ceremony that had no legal merit or, or standing. They added up in Carson City. It was kind of sad, to be perfectly blunt. They, they had this official-looking document that really had, it wasn't official because it didn't come from the Nevada Secretary of State. I, I, it was like having a fake wedding. You know, I had a business partner once who had a fake wedding and and you know people do this apparently i this was a this was a fake ceremony okay and what's completely perplexing about it is now the fbi is making a federal investigation out of it and why because the fbi is now a a a department focused singularly on political retribution they're no longer an objective law enforcement group. They're, yeah, they're, they're basically a, an, an A-team, advanced team for the Democratic Party. And I'm not just saying here in Nevada, I'm saying everywhere. It's rotten from the bottom up, top down. Now, I know there's a handful of you fabulous agents, rank and file agents that work on serious cases and and, but, you know, I've spoken to some of you, and you know, you know as well as I do, that what I'm saying about leadership and some of the agents even out there in the field, you know it's true. When we look at this entire Russia collusion plot that was, it was hatched by the FBI. It literally came within the headquarters 
of the FBI. We've now, because of Durham and his investigation, we've seen and gotten a glimpse of it. The prosecution of that one lawyer, Sussman, that worked for Hillary Clinton, Inc. See, the, the, the prosecutors got that all wrong. Durham really actually screwed the pooch. And the reason I'm saying this is because he wanted to look at the FBI as this group of law enforcement people that got duped by Clinton. And that's the wrong way of looking at it, because when you actually look at the totality of evidence, everything that's went on, you'll see that it was the it was the FBI directing this horse crap from the beginning. <laughs> so so anyway, so now the FBI is, you know, they're out there. They've got the the J6 hearings going on. I was at lunch today with my partner, Ash. We were over at a Greek food place right by our office. Very good spot. They had the TV on. And I looked up and I said, hey, it's still going on, talking about the committee hearings in Washington for January 6th. And, and Ash's comment was priceless. She's like, I, I haven't seen a moment of it. And she's a, she's a well-informed person. We don't agree on, on, on a lot of things, but you know, very well-informed person. She doesn't care one bit. And that is what this all is. So I, do I think this is politically motivated going after Mike McDonald? Yeah. Does the FBI have a history here in Nevada of making politically motivated, you know, stunts like this? Certainly. Didn't they raid Michelle Fury's house? And, and by the way, she's running for, she's got the nomination. And we still haven't had anything announced. I mean, that was a year ago, over a year ago. Nothing. Big, fat zeros. And that's what we have here. Fabulous stuff. We'll follow the story for you. Okay, don't go anywhere. We will be back. Well, we'll be back tomorrow. That's when we're going to be back. 2 p.m. tomorrow. I'll see you then. Sam Rajofsky, over and out.